44% of large companies get pitched every single day by an SEO company. And when people are trying to sell you something so hard, any other industry that we got in our inbox trying to sell us something, I would instantly be skeptical, I'd instantly be worried about it. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Today we have a special guest. His name is Glenn Alsop of ViperChill, which is a blog that covers viral marketing, SEO, and blogging advice. And here's the thing. Glenn's been doing this stuff for a very long time. He's willing to talk about the things that most people aren't willing to talk about, especially in startup land where people seem to neglect SEO and think about paid advertising all the time. I think uh, you know, you're going to hear some stuff that might blow your mind and stuff that you should be thinking about. So Glenn, how's it going? Eric, very good. And I'm very honored to be on the show. So thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do? Sure. I started out building websites back when I was 16 years old. So that was back in, back in Newcastle, England. Built up my first website. It was actually a competitor to MySpace in a way. It was for DJs and we creatively named it My DJ Space. And uh, <laughs> that kind of took off and went, went pretty viral. We got up to like 10,000 users and we, we got featured in DJing for dummies and books and so on. And I was trying to get into DJing at the time and that's why I was starting to build this website. And I quickly learned that I was far more interested in actually promoting this website and ranking it in Google we ranked for DJ equipment and DJ forums and all of this kind of thing. And I, and I stopped even learning how to DJ and I stopped buying records and all that kind of thing. I just wanted to learn how to rank this website. For the next few years, that's pretty much all I did. I was in college at the time and I actually failed my first year of college because my attendance was so low because I was pretty much at home all day, like trying to figure out this Google thing and rank websites and so on. And then at 17 years old, I was offered a job. I was actually on this SEO forum called SEO Guy Forums. And someone sent me a PM. They're like, hey, do you want to come to uh, work in South Africa and work with all these big clients and so on? And I thought it was pretty crazy. But, you know, a few weeks later, 17 years old, I actually ended up uh, in South Africa. So I quit my job, quit college, and I was doing SEO full time. So Pretty much since 16 years old, I'm just turned 27 years old recently. Last 11 years straight, I've just been able to do what I love, basically building websites, ranking websites, and making money thanks to Google. All right. And what are the main projects that you're working on right now? Yeah, so I have a few, few different businesses. The main thing I'm, I have right now is clients. So actually, when I, when I worked in South Africa, I absolutely hated working with clients, kind of ironic. And that's because it was just such a slow process. So I got to work with big companies like Land Rover, Nissan, and Hewlett-Packard. Um, but anytime we wanted to change something on their website, I give them a recommendation. It would go through my account manager, then my manager, you know, and then it would go to their legal team and their manager and their account manager and come all the way back through. So just to change one little thing on their website would be weeks and weeks of process. And it was really frustrating. 
So these days I work with a lot of small businesses who want to rank higher on Google. And then I also have a business which kind of teaches this. So I, I have like a private community of people who are doing the same thing. So people all around the world who are able to close clients and rank websites in Google and stuff like that. So I guess we'll talk a bit later about how, how my journey has gone. But um, I think I've, I've always tried to get into too many projects. So I think for this now, I'm really just trying to focus on that and not do too many other things. So yeah, my main business now is just working with clients and helping other people work with them as well. There's a good amount of service people, uh, people that you know have service-based businesses listening to this. So I, I think one thing that you, you've talked about in the past is kind of the, the importance of, of specializing. So can you, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So when I, when I started out, I actually started Vipertrill at 16 years old. I, I decided, like I said, I wasn't into DJing. I realized SEO is my thing and it made logical sense. Hey, I want to do this for more people. So I set up Vibechill and it was basically, again, 16 years old. I do SEO. Here's my team. We do social media or whatever. Um, we do reputation management in Google. Do you want to work with us? So I set up this website and I was thinking, damn, I love SEO. Everyone's going to want me is, uh, want me to do it for them. And I ran Vibechill for 18 months. I wrote hundreds of uh, blog posts in that time and I landed exactly zero clients. And then... So like I said, I, when I went to South Africa, I actually hated working with clients and I stopped doing that. I started working on affiliate SEO. I had all these plugins and stuff for WordPress that I was selling. I just totally give up on the business that I'm actually doing now. It was just so frustrating. About four years ago, I came across this one company. They were called NPE. Uh, it's Net Profit Explosion. They were, they've been on the Inc. 500 uh, six, six years in a row now. And the interesting thing about NPE is that they are, they are a marketing company, but they are purely focused on one industry, and that is, for, that is gym owners and personal trainers. So they will do internet marketing just like I'm doing, uh, and they will have like programs and workshops and so on, but they only work with gym owners and personal trainers. And while you may think that would limit how many people they could reach, they actually have over 21,000 customers. So when I came across this idea... I decided, could I do that for my own business? I've always loved SEO. I've always, I, I like the idea of working with clients who are willing to work with me and not having to go through so many legal loopholes and so on. So what I decided to do, I started setting up lots of little specialized SEO companies. So like an SEO company in Singapore, an SEO company for car dealers. And instead of branding myself as this guy who will you know, work with all of these different companies, I just made all of these mini websites and these mini these mini industries that I wanted to focus on. And um, yeah, it was just incredible. I couldn't believe it. It was actually, instead of reaching out to companies and they're thinking, you know, oh, there's so many SEO companies that hear from me. There's actually, I think it's in 2015 now, I think seven, around 77% of big companies hear from and get an SEO pitch at least once a week. So it's crazy how many emails companies get. Uh, from people trying to offer them SEO services. And then when I started contacting companies, or they would find me. And so, for example, a company in Singapore, they would hear from me, and then my pitch would be, I only work with companies in Singapore. That instantly makes them think, wow, this person is actually relevant to me. It's so different from the other offers that I'm getting. Uh, so today I actually have like 12, uh, almost 12 different brands of SEO companies. So there's not just like one big agency in every client and customer that I work with, they know that I'm like really focused on their industry 
and it's just been so much so much easier to sell because they they see that I'm relevant to them and also so much easier to tailor my marketing message. So when I'm sending them an email, I'm actually talking about other companies in Singapore or I'm actually talking about other car dealers or if I'm running ads on Facebook, it's just targeted towards SEO for car dealers uh, again and so on. And that's just made such a huge difference for me in actually being able to close clients. Love it. Okay. And so how many clients do you have overall across those 12 agencies right now or 12 brands? Um, Overall, we've had in the last... uh, Three years that we've worked with over three hundred clients. Right now, it's it's something that we've we've cut down a lot because we wanted to work with people who are willing to pay us more and bother us less, and you know, kind of like our ideal client. Uh, so at the moment, we're working with around thirty to forty companies. Got it. It sounds like, I mean, when you're able to specialize more, you know, you're able to charge significantly more. I think you gave that example from NPE, and you said. Um, you know, they they make a lot more than like a traditional agency, right? Yeah. Got it. Okay. And what, do you know what revenues they were doing uh, in terms of annual revenues? Yeah, I know it pretty well, actually. I think in 2006, they did around $60,000. Um, 2007, they went up to $2.5 million. Uh, 2008, you can tell I've studied them in a lot of detail. Uh, 2008, it went up to about $5 million. Uh, uh, and I think... Uh, last year, they did around $7.2 million. So they've always been growing uh, at a pretty nice rate. Yeah, and I, I know marketers like to say that the, the riches are in the niches, and the same thing applies to the agencies too. You should niche it down a little bit more, and then like you mentioned, you know, they, they, they're more comfortable with you that, that you're specialized in a certain area, and they're willing to pay a premium on, on that. So I, I think that's very smart. Yeah, I was just going to say, and I think, I think you're able to offer a better service as well when you're not trying to reach uh, anyone and everyone. You can actually hone your skills for that specific industry. Just so the audience knows, I mean, you know, your blog Viper Chill, I mean, you know, you were writing long form content long before everyone else was, you know, starting to write long form content. I think, you know, typically your word, your, your word count is at least 4,000, if not, you know, up to 10,000 or so. Um, and you've written some pretty compelling stuff. So what I think is interesting for everyone to know is, um, I know you wrote a recent post on, you know, the there's one company dominating the SERPs or 16 sites dominating the SERPs. Can you can you speak to that a little bit and, and tell us about what's going on there? Yeah, so I discovered this website. It was called uh, bestproducts.com and it came out just a few months ago and it absolutely took over Google. It took over all Google search results. If you're looking for wireless headphones, Bluetooth speakers, the best grill for your back garden, you know, for barbecuing, whatever it was, they just ranking for it in Google. And while this happens, you know, Amazon and Wikipedia, they rank for everything. The thing with best products is that it was a new website. It hadn't really been ranking before, didn't have any links or authority. And so what happens is this, this website was actually owned by Hearst, Hearst Media, Hearst Digital. And this is a company that owns Cosmopolitan.com, L.com, Woman'sDay.com, just all of these big magazine brands that came onto the Internet and they're now pretty huge. So what they did is they um, they all linked to this one website, Best Products, and just pretty much overnight it is ranking for everything in Google, taking over PC World, taking over CNET, taking over Engadget. No matter what industry they were writing about, they would rank for it. So I started writing an article just about Best Product and how you know this kind of this private link network that was helping them rank. And then in the process, I found another company. I think it was Ziff Davis. And they own PC World and Computer Shopper uh, and Computer Today and all these kind of different brands. And I realized when I would search for certain things in Google, I was trying to see what best products are ranking for. 
I would see Ziff Davis uh, gain this kind of media conglomerate with all these different brands. I would see a lot of their same sites ranking uh, in the search results. And it just, the more and more I was searching for different industries to find best products ranking, I would just see the same websites over and over and over again. And so I spent a few weeks on this and I kind of, every time I found out, kept seeing the same website, I see who owned it. And what happened was I checked pretty much every industry on the planet. So food, health, fitness, you know, electronics, whatever it may be. I checked so many different industries, computer software, and it just turned out that the same sites were ranking over and over again. Actually, a, a, a broad variety of sites, but they were all owned by just 16 different companies. So I went live with that a few months ago. I think it's one of the, the proudest articles I've ever written. Definitely one of the most viral uh, that I've ever put out there. And uh, yeah, it was just it was something that I never intended to it to be the article it was. It just happened to kind of result in that. Got it. And did you get any? Did you get any type of uh, backlash from that? Uh, not really. I do. I do from my other articles. Uh, <laughs> usually, if I cover some SEO tactic that someone didn't want me to cover or something like that, I get a few angry emails now and then. But no, for that one, actually, not at all. So, how were they? You know, I, I know you pointed out to, to one thing that that was causing them to rank highly. I mean, what were they doing exactly? Yeah. So generally, they were just bought. They just bought certain brands. So, for example, AOL, they bought the Huffington Post, they bought Engadget, and then Verizon, they bought AOL, and Verizon had a lot of other brands. Uh, so a lot of them were just, they've kind of bought Google. The other one is, uh, I think it's IAC who own About.com, and what About.com now they've started doing is they've started building a lot of other websites and then redirecting all of their About.com traffic uh, to that new website. So, for example, they have a website, verywell.com. They just launched that a few months ago. Now, any health page that was on about.com now redirects to verywell.com. So, instead of about.com having one result in Google, they now have two. So, these big brands, they basically, while some of them were built themselves uh, organically, a lot of them have kind of acquired their way to owning, instead of just owning one search result in Google, uh, they can own three or four. Got it. And it sounds like after they, they started owning the, these, uh, owning multiple properties, they also started to cross-link them to each other, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, Hearst, Hearst Digital, they were kind of the, the big ones and they're all linking to uh, best products, but it works incredibly well. So I, wouldn't, I don't see why they're not doing that. It's just a shame for me. Uh, why Google would be, would be rewarding it so well. Yeah, you, you know, the, the interesting thing, you know, back back when I was in startup land, uh, you know, especially design-focused companies, they're not going to want to add links in the footer, uh, but they don't realize how powerful those links are. So you, you have to make a trade-off kind of, is it marketing? Is it going to be design? Uh, but once, you know, once I convinced, uh, you know, once I convinced the CEO to add a few footer links, you know, bam, all of a sudden we were ranking number one for our, our top, uh, you know, two two of our top keywords all of a sudden from page two to, to page one, just like that. And I think a lot of people don't think about this stuff. They don't think about how effective, you know, SEO is still nowadays in, in, in 2016. Yeah. And it's like I said, I, I don't blame them. I don't feel like, wow, I can't believe they're doing this terrible thing. They're just linking to another website of theirs. Um, but again, I'm just so surprised that it is it has been so effective for them. Uh, just having so many different, so many of their websites linking to this brand new website, uh, it's worked incredibly well. When I think the rest of us would get uh, outed and penalized that for that pretty easily, um, but yeah, it is what it is, I guess. Totally. Okay. So, can you tell us what a PBN is and what people can, you know, how effective they are today? 
Yeah, so a PBN is a private blog network, uh, basically. So I know you know how Google works, but the very oversimplified uh, way is that the website on f- the first page of Google is going to have more, the websites on the first page of Google are going to have more links from other websites than websites on page two of Google. So what you, what you want to get is you want to get more people talking about your website, linking to linking to various pages, and Google see that, and it's kind of how Google give weight uh, and value to a website. So there are a lot of other factors like how fast the page loads, you know, if it's mobile friendly for mobile search results, all of that kind of thing. So many factors, but the big one today is still links. Now, getting people to link to you is actually harder than ever. Instead of linking from blog posts, people now they share your stuff on Facebook, they share it on Twitter. While it's nice, it doesn't really count uh, as the links you would have got in the past from like people blogging about you and so on. So getting links from other websites is harder than ever. And people basically found a way to cheat the system is that, hey, if I can't get in someone else in weight loss to link to me, I'm going to go and create five more weight loss websites of my own and then link back to myself. So it's basically kind of a, a way to game the, game the system, I guess. But I, I think most SEO is gaming the system. Uh, it's kind of gaming the system in your own favor, uh, just building websites around uh, something that you already want to rank for and then linking back to yourself. It's kind of the same idea that from the earlier example, right? Kind of what Hearst was doing, except they were buying big big properties. But I mean, it's basically the, at the foundational level, it's the same thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And, but the, the, and yeah, so they're more open with it. And the challenge, the challenge for people who build these networks is to kind of not get found that they're doing that. So I know you've talked in the, in the past, I mean, you know, um, about Google not being as, as smart as we think they are. But, you know, I, I do remember in the past, you know, uh, Google did catch a few, but, you know, popular kind of PBNs. So what's the strategy there? It seems like they are smart enough to catch the PBNs, but at the same time, they are effective. So kind of what's the happy medium here? Um, I think it's not not to uh, not to be noticed. Um, I think that's a big thing, not, not get on their radar on, on a personal level. I don't even mean on an algorithmic level. Uh, to give an example, one network that was absolutely huge, had thousands of domains, probably tens of thousands of customers, uh, was something called AngloRank. And the only reason AngloRank was caught, this is a private blog network that people could uh, buy links on, is that you know Google went after them personally. It wasn't something that they found in their algorithm. They actually saw these guys promoting it on Black Hat World. And uh, Matt Cutts of Google, he tweeted, oh, AngloRank, you, know, you think you have no footprints or whatever. Um, so I, And... Uh, Another good example, I think the last big penalty that happened in Google was for Rap Genius, and this was a couple of years ago now. And the only reason Rap Genius got penalized, so they were they were asking people to link to them uh, in in return for free T-shirts and swag or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but they were openly asking people to link to them in return for something else. And and this is a brand you know worth millions of dollars. They get millions of search uh, visitors from Google every single month. And the only reason they got caught is because some guy blogged about it on an SEO blog saying, hey, look at what Rap Genius are doing. They're asking people for links. That got everyone's attention, and then Google penalized them. So I think you really don't have much issue these days as long as you, you know, you're not getting on the radar of Google you know, and, and you're not being stupid like linking every single one of your websites to another website uh, hosting them all in the same place and so on. As long as you follow the basics, I actually don't think it's very risky uh, at all, the Black Hat forums out there, you know, they they sell you know access to their PBNs and things like that. 
Um, do yeah. you recommend, you know, let's say I, I'm a startup and I just raised, you know, $5 million in funding and I, you know, I want to focus on, on SEO. Do you, do you recommend building your own PBN from scratch or do you recommend kind of leveraging what's, what's already out there so you don't need to start from the beginning? Yeah, I think it depends on what, what would happen if you were caught. So, for example, I work with one company. They, um, they are one of the biggest app providers on the planet. They rank so high in uh, the Google Play Store, the Apple App Store, and uh, they just want to, you know, they have millions of downloads. They just want to get more search traffic. So for them, it could make sense that they, they started building their own network. I definitely wouldn't recommend a big brand joining someone else's network purely because you have no idea who they are. You can't trust them. You don't know if they're going to out you themselves. So for, for this uh, app company that I work with, it makes total sense for them that they could do that because if it were to come to light, oh, look what they're doing, they're, they're trying to get more traffic from Google, they don't have a brand on Google yet anyway. Um, you know, like they're making all of their money from the app store. So if it works, they're going to make a lot more money. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't really matter. Um, so if Google is going to be something that this new startup is going to rely on for a long time, then I wouldn't inv- I wouldn't get involved in uh, PBNs. It's m- m- mostly for like little guys who just want to promote their own website. Um, but if it's if it came to light that you got caught doing this and it wouldn't affect your business uh, personally, then yeah, it's something you could go and do. Got it. Okay. Now l- let's just say, for example, I'm a startup and I come to you, Glenn, and I say, you know, Glenn, I, ha- I have a ten thousand dollar a month budget, and you know, we-, we have zero SEO right now. We just started doing content. What would you recommend with the ten thousand dollar a month budget? How would you kind of split it out? Yeah, so a few different angles I would take. First of all, I'd make sure that your site is set up. So if I am going to get you links and traffic, that it's actually going to convert for you. It's not just about uh, ranking higher in Google. It's about if I send you visitors, would they go and buy your product, download your service? You know, Do you have split testing in place? It's a little bit more than just ranking in Google. It's actually making sure uh, you'd be able to take advantage of the traffic. Uh, another thing I would do is I would go and analyze what you're trying to rank for. Um, so make sure, make sure we're kind of on the same page and we, I can give you content ideas and stuff for the blog that would not only be relevant for your audience, but actually have the opportunity of getting you search traffic. I would go and look at your competitors if there are any and see what they're ranking for in Google and how they are ranking. So where are they getting their links from and are there any places that you can uh, replicate to get links from? And then, yeah, mostly just Again, when it's a big brand, you have to do things differently. When it's a, it's a smaller company and they don't really care and they can create a new website if they have any issues, the, the work I'm going to do could be different for them. Uh, so bigger brand, you start up, they're in the public eye. It would be much more focused on their content and then using outreach, which I, I never like to do, but it's actually working very well right now, and just reaching out to people who can link once they have some relevant content from their industry uh, and getting links that way. Love it. And what tool do you use for outreach? I use replyapp.io. Replyapp.io. Cool. And does that, I'm assuming it sounds like that uh, kind of automatically follows up with people? Yeah. So I, I hate, I get these emails all the time, people pitching me guest posts and stuff, and then they email me two days later and I delete it, and then three days later, and I hate it. So it's really annoying that they, to get these follow-ups, but they work so well. I get so much more replies on my second email than I do my first. So, uh, yeah, it definitely helps with that. Got it. Okay, makes sense. And I know recently I, you, you wrote another post about um, pins. So what exactly is a pin? Yeah, so a pin is something I define as a private influencer network. So it's kind of a play on the P, uh, private blog network for uh, PBNs. And it's, it's basically a way 
for little guys to be able to find other people on the same journey as them to help them succeed. So again, links are something that we we all need if we want to get more traffic from Google. And this is just about trying to connect with other people in your industry. So let's just say I'm in the Forex niche or whatever. Um, It's very, very difficult to get links from other Forex websites unless I teamed up with other guys who are also in the Forex niche, but they don't want to compete for the same keywords. So maybe I want to rank for some trading software. They want to rank for, you know, some other keyword terms. Then we could actually... Uh, team up. So anytime I get a link opportunity, maybe I'm writing a guest post for some website, I could actually link to them. Uh, and then anytime they get a guest post opportunity, it's not just linking back to their website, they link back to me. So it's basically kind of sharing anytime you get a link opportunity, not only using it for yourself, but using it for someone else in your in your little personal network. And anytime they get a link opportunity, they, you know, them giving you a link as well. So Ideally, the way it works is you, you give out, say, 10, 20 links and you get 30, 40, 50 links in return. So it's just kind of it's it's also based on something natural. So it's about giving people advice on, you know, their content ideas and their website design and just kind of inspiring each other and motivating each other to promoting your websites. But on the on the basis of it, it's about being able to give links from certain opportunities and then getting a lot more links in return. Love it. Okay, and just for everyone to know, I mean, we'll drop this in the show notes, but you can Google literally uh, Viper Chill pin. You should be able to find the post. And I, I know uh, in there, I think you have a, there's there's also a private Facebook group that uh, Glenn runs right now. And I think there's a lot of people active in there. So those of you that are interested in that, check that out. So Glenn, you know, what's interesting also is because there's a lot of tech people that listen to this, again, it's mostly people thinking about, oh, okay, we got this venture funding. Let's think about how we can scale quickly using paid advertising. Um, SEO has kind of fallen to the wayside. Not many people talk about it. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think because this, it just has a bad reputation, to be honest, because there's so many things that you know people will claim they're working with Google. People will guarantee first page rankings, which you can't do. And as I said earlier, there's 77% of large companies uh, they get contacted at least once per week by someone pitching them SEO. And actually, it's about 44% of them get pitched every single day by an SEO company. And when people are trying to sell you something so hard, you know, if there was any other industry that we got in our inbox trying to sell us something, I would instantly be skeptical, I'd instantly be worried about it. And I think a lot of people, they just try and go, they just try and see what happens. They just build content, they write for their uh, blogs and whatever they put up their website, and many of them just see what happens. And if it works, awesome. And if it doesn't, you know, it is what it is. And I think for smaller companies, they're much more focused on uh, for SEO. But for bigger brands and startups and those who just get venture capital, you know, they kind of want to buy. Generally, want to buy their way to users uh, so they can quickly show uh, some return on investment and so on. Uh, and I, I just think it has a bad reputation, to be honest with you. Got it. You know, my, my take on it is always, you know, playing the SEO and content game is the long game. And plus, you know, they're not, you know, you don't have to think of them as silos. You know, the, the paid side does help with the content you know, as well. You can, you know, promote content, put, put people through like a, a funnel as well, take them through a story. And then you have your email marketing kind of, you know, take it from there. I, I just think there's so much more to do when you don't think of it in terms of silos. And I think a lot of companies are, you know, making a big mistake by not taking SEO seriously because they think, you know, every everything has moved on from from search, and that certainly might be the case in, you know, a couple of years or so. Uh, but right now, you know, SEO is still very relevant. So um, I think one thing that you mentioned, I, I was actually listening to a podcast with you with uh, with a mutual friend, Steve Chu, today. Um, you talked about how House was generating a ton of 
uh, links using a widget that they had. Um, can you talk about what they did and kind of the, the success that they saw? Yeah, so House is a uh, home design community. I had never actually heard of them before, before I discovered them uh, doing kind of shady stuff in Google uh, a few years ago. So they were, um, yeah, basically you can show photos of like home remodels and bathrooms and stuff like that. You can put a little widget from House uh, and you can put that on your website. So what they were doing is that they were actually linking, they were putting links. So when you see this widget preview, here's how it's going to look on your website. It looks all nice and the images slide and so on. It looks like a cool little feature for your blog. What you don't see when you embed it is that they put like 20 links to different parts of their website and it's hard coded. So even if they update the widget, those links stay in there. And it's pretty awful to be honest. It's pretty shameless. Um, so you've got all these bloggers who really do, don't know what they're doing. They're just interested in home design. They they trust house. It's used by tens of millions of people every month. Hey, I'll put their widget on my site. And they don't realize they've just linked to 20 pages of house, which is helping them get more search traffic. And I actually talked about them. I talked. I think this was 2014. I mentioned what they were doing. And within 24 hours, that was all gone. They changed their widget. Um, they removed all those hard-coded links. and And that was that. So... The, the only problem was that the people who had used their widget before the house read my article was that they're still linking to them and, and just getting so, so, so much traffic from Google. And as I found out uh, a couple months ago, they've went back to their old tactics. So it's not as bad as it was before. They're not putting in 20 links in their widget, but they're putting in one link, which is a kind of a, a directory page on their site. So they're funneling all of this link juice to all of these different pages. And, and while it's okay to link back to yourself in a widget, uh, pretty much the Google guideline is make sure it's no follow, make sure you're not really getting SEO credit for that. And so House were caught by me. They changed what they were doing within 24 hours. And now, and then two years later, they do the same thing again. Yeah, but I, I mean, you know, this stuff works. I mean, a lot of hosting companies used to do the same thing. And I actually tried something like this when I was at uh, another company in-house. Um, we, we tried doing something very similar. And my God, it, it worked really well. So... Um, hey, like, you know, even though they're doing shady stuff, you know, at the end of the day, it still works. I think it's a matter of, you know, you talked about it. You have to know as an SEO, if you know any SEO at all, you can't just say, oh, I'm all white hat. I've never, you know, done any of the, any of the black or gray hat stuff before. You have to kind of know both sides of the fence um, or else you're kind of just a one dimensional SEO. What do you think? Yeah. And, it, and, it, and to me, it goes back to what I said earlier about Google not knowing everything. So, of course, you can't take anything away from them. It's the best search engine uh, that, that we have available to us. But just to be able to track so many billions and billions of pages and all the link tactics that everyone is doing, it's just clearly one of the most difficult jobs uh, in tech and computing. And they're just not able to find these kind of things. So, you know, that anyone who says, yeah, I'm purely a white hat SEO, I say, if, you don't, if you've never tried black hat stuff and you've never, you know, you don't know what's going on on the other side, it's not really, you're not really much of an SEO in my opinion. Yep, totally agree. So, I mean, right now, I mean, you know, you're you're getting these clients in different uh, areas and then you're also teaching stuff too. I guess, you know, what's one really effective thing you're doing today in terms of customer acquisition? Uh, one thing I'm doing, which is very odd, and I've, I haven't really talked about this before, it's totally counterintuitive, is that I make potential customers go through hoops to work with me. So it really flips it on its head what it, what is normal. So a normal company, they will... Uh, let me give you an example in personal training. Personal trainers right now in America, they will do anything they can to get a client. Like someone, you know, if they're struggling and someone says, hey, uh, will you train me a couple times a week for $500? Sure. If they don't have clients, you know, they will go out there, they will phone people, they will, you know, they will ask their friends on Facebook, do you want to work with me? Do you want to work with me? You know, I'll take you to the gym, I'll help you get in better shape. 
On the other hand, um, my friend Oscar, what he does, he offers personal training, but if you want to work with him, you must get on a waiting list. So you go to his website and you see, you see he has 700 or 1,000 people waiting on his list. If you want to work with him, he says, cool, you can be my client, but you must wait until I say to you, it's time for me to actually open my doors and offer my services. And that is so different for the people who just try and close anyone they can, uh, kind of any budget they can, just to be able to make more money. So what I do, and again, it's very counterintuitive, but it works. When I reach out to people or when people reach out to me and say that they're interested in SEO, instead of me replying to them with a big pitch on, I can do this for you, I can do this, I can say, sure, I can help you, but please join this waiting list and I'll let you know when I have more space available. And it is such a, a psychological thing. It's like you want to go to the club, but they're, they're not letting you in the door. It makes you want in so much more. You want to see what's inside. So when people are being pitched SEO or anything so much, and then they see one company saying, actually, you can't have it right now, but I'll let you know when you can have it. Um, that has just been like the biggest flip for my business, not letting people have my services right now, actually making them wait. And it just it gives it so much more perceived value. It's not just a, a marketing gimmick. There is... There are other reasons I do it. I, you know, sometimes I am too busy and can't take on clients. But when they, it's just, it just really flips the interaction on its head and it makes them want it more than they had uh, before. Got it. And how, I mean, what is, uh, what is, do you have any like numbers around the results? Has it taken you from conversion rate X to Y? Anything you can reveal there? Uh, not really, because it's, it's, yeah, I get, I get asked to do SEO randomly by different companies whenever they find us on Google and our rankings and so on. Um, but I would say it's it's just night and day to me from me actually trying to pitch it to someone saying, okay, I can do this. You have this problem on your website to me saying, okay, you can have it now. I think one number I do have for when I had a link building service, I was getting 300 people to my website every time I opened the doors, um, and getting around 15 sales. Uh, so what is that? Five, 5%, around a 5% conversion rate. Uh, and no, these are people paying thousands of dollars at times, so definitely adds up. Got it. Okay, great. So I want to switch gears here. Just a couple more questions, a little more deep one. What's one big thing, positive or negative, that has impacted your life dramatically? Uh, oh, that's a big question. Um, I think meditation is a big one for me. It's something I've I've always struggled with, and it's uh, it's such an odd practice. I always thought of it as like this weird hippie thing to do, and you know, you got to you know, sit with your eyes closed and your hands in the lotus position and all this kind of thing. I used to think it was quite strange. And, and to be honest, it's, it's stopped me worrying about things so much. It's helped me focus more. Um, it's how I start every single day uh, before I do work. And yeah, it's just been a big impact for me. So for anyone thinking it's weird and they can't do it and it's just some stupid thing, there's a lot of science behind it and why it works. Uh, and that was a big thing for me. Great. What's one big struggle you faced while growing any business that you've had? Doing way too many things at once. So just like I said, I had, I had plugins uh, for WordPress. I had DJing websites. I've been in every single industry you can imagine. And uh, the problem was not focusing on one thing and just making that a success. Got it. And right now it's mostly on clients, right? Yeah. Got it. Okay. Cool. And, you know, we, I mean, as, as you know, people in the marketing world, we, we use a lot of different tools. So what's one tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value? Uh, in the last year, I think using Reply app for outreach, that was a big one for me. Like I said, I didn't like it uh, too much before. 
um, and Evernote. It's not something added in the last year, but it's massive for me as well. I mean, I'm in Evernote every single day. Got it. Same here. I'm staring at it right now, actually. <laughs> All right. What's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? Absolutely, absolutely. No question about it. Oversubscribed by Daniel Priestley. It actually gave me the idea for that closed door technique that I was talking about earlier, focusing on just one industry, specializing so many parts of the success of my business have been down to that book. Again, oversubscribed by Daniel Priestley. Wow, I've never heard of that one. I'm going to have to add it right after. Glenn, this has been fantastic. What's the best way for people to find you online? Yeah, just the website earlier, Viperchill, that's V-I-P-E-R-C-H-I-L-L.com. Uh, And if you want to email me, it's hq at vibechill.com. All right, Glenn, thanks so much for doing this. Eric, thanks so much, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.